0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, November 10th. We're on the heels of yet another Victory Monday here on the show. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, your host here, Locked On Dolphins. Director of Scouting at theDraftNetwork.com, and very, very excited to have some conversations about the Miami Dolphins and what the remainder of this season looks like. What kind of personnel tweaks we may continue to see? We have an upheaval on the offensive line. We've got some skill players that need to get healthy. We've got a defense that continues to shine in all the right kinds of ways. But we're not going anywhere until I kindly remind everybody that if you are looking to become a member of the League of Football Watchers and enjoy these Dolphins games on Sundays, you got to get yourself a Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi is made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. We did some football watching on Sunday afternoon as the Miami Dolphins' miraculous comeback victory over the Arizona Cardinals pushed the team to 5-3. and three. And that is today's Power to the Pod. It's your questions, it's your topics. But as we look at this week in the world that is the NFL. I do think it's important, before we get in power to the pod, to acknowledge some of the forecasts uh, that that are currently in existence around the football media. And and what these forecasts do, we're at the halfway point. We were super dialed in, not me, because I wasn't here on Locked on Dolphins at this time last year. But... This time last year, we were very dialed into forecasts for the season because we were in hunt for the number 1 overall pick mentality. So we're looking at all the forecasts and we're asking ourselves, okay, you know, where do where do the Dolphins fall? Here what's their projected finishing record, so on and so forth. Well, now shoes on the other foot. Dolphins at 5 and 3. Depending on where you look, the Miami Dolphins are gauged to have somewhere between a 40 to 60 percent chance to make the postseason. ESPN's forecast for the Dolphins, courtesy of their Football Power Index, currently sits the Dolphins at 50 percent odds to make the playoffs and a forecasted final record this season of nine and seven, which would mean the Dolphins go four and four over their final nine games on the year. The Athletic. Has a Monte Carlo EPR forecast with one million simulations of the remainder of the season. The Dolphins forecasted to finish the season at 10 and 6, with a 64% chance to make the postseason. 538, the most conservative of the bunch, also forecasting the Dolphins at 9 and 7, but with a 38% chance to make the postseason. This is. A, a really interesting and fascinating kind of grouping collection of teams uh, at this point in time because all of these forecasts have the Buffalo Bills sitting at 11-5, and 10-6, suggesting that this game, Week 17, between the Bills and Dolphins could, depending on how f- tiebreakers play out if the teams end up splitting the season series and the Dolphins win the final game in Week 17, could be for all the marbles. Week 16 for the Dolphins is also scheduled to be played against a very relevant team, another 5-3 team in the AFC playoff picture right now, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Dolphins, the next four games are all out in front of them. Winnable football games, teams that they have a better record than, but they still have to show up each and every week and execute. If the Dolphins do that, Their fate will be in their own hands regardless of the fact that you have to host the Kansas City Chiefs in December. The rest of the schedule, the fate is in the Dolphins' hands. And according to the simulations, which are geared and rooted towards what is the quality of this football team, they seem to like the Dolphins' odds. The Raiders, uh, for the record, also projected according to the Athletics Monte Carlo simulations, uh, to finish the season with 10 10-6 record. They are given an equal likelihood to the Dolphins, 64%, according to the Athletics simulations, to make the postseason, which puts the Dolphins and the Raiders both above the likes of the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns. 538.com simulations have the Dolphins lower playoff odds than both the Colts and the Browns. So that's your competition. So if you're looking for rooting interests this weekend, Dolphins fans have had a really easy habit of just rooting for whoever is playing the Houston Texans every single week. This week might be the week we might want to root for the Houston Texans because Cleveland They still got to play Pittsburgh again. They still got to play Baltimore again. They got shellacked by both those teams. You need to find a few more losses for the Cleveland Browns. We have to start thinking ahead and start forecasting. Dolphins, you take care of your own business. Odds are it's going to sort itself out in the end no matter what. But this now has to be on anybody who's interested in seeing the Dolphins play in the postseason. This has to be on your radar. You have to be cognitive to this now. It's week 10. We've got two months left in this season. Exciting times for the Miami Dolphins. Especially because of the performance of one Tua Tagovailoa in week 9 against the Arizona Cardinals. And that is the last talking point I'd like to touch on before we get into Power of the Pod questions. And it has to do specifically with Tua's final touchdown against the Cardinals to tie the game and why that throw was so important in the grand scheme of things for the Dolphins. NFL Next Gen Stats logged that 11-yard touchdown completion to Mac Hollins of a completion probability of 16.4%, the most improbable completion according to Next Gen Stats by a Dolphins quarterback over any of the last three seasons. The ball in the air traveled 28.5 yards. There was 0.4 yards of separation between the receiver and the defender at the time of the catch on the fade. And he was within 1.4 yards of the sideline when he brought the ball down. A spectacular throw against man coverage that he put up high. Why does this matter? The Dolphins are perfect since installing Tua tonga into the offense as far as their red zone touchdown Conversion rate, 100%. Compare and contrast that still small sample size to 57% touchdown conversion rate when Ryan Fitzpatrick was your starting quarterback. The windows are tighter. Tua Tangabello's accuracy against man coverage in the red zone has the opportunity to level up the Dolphins' offense because how many times do you see Ryan Fitzpatrick try and slot it up the seam, run into the goalpost to Mike Gusecki? on a high ball and it's three yards outside and two yards too high I can think of at least one that took place against New England I can think of one that took place against Jacksonville I can think of one that took place against the San Francisco 49ers and I can think of another one that took place against the New York Jets that area of the field the touchdown conversion rate was a problem if Tua Veloa can throw footballs like that to Matt Collins in the red zone There's a lot more on the table for the Miami Dolphins to be had. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Today's episode is brought to you by Axon Taser. Whenever you're away from home taking a family road trip or getting some outdoor adventures, you need to plan for the safety of you and your family. Taser gives you the tools you need to protect yourself safely. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse. And yet they are still nonetheless powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as as much as your attacker, and it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send a response team to your GPS location upon firing. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. You can get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL to save 15%. That's taser.com, promo code NFL to save 15%. T-A-S-E-R.com. Restrictions apply. Please see the site for details. Power to the pod time. Here we go. Plenty of questions, some that came uh, before the Arizona game, but are still relevant questions. So we're going to start at the top, work our way down. This one came in on Friday from bfj to Seven. Kyle, love the show. Thank you. Love you. What do you think the realistic long-term role is for Noah Igbenogany? Are they only playing him an outside corner, but with X and Byron locked in in long-term deals? They aren't going anywhere, so where does Igbo fit into this defense in the future? This is a great question. I do think Noah, things happen a little quicker in the slot. Um, He's still a very raw football player. I think his long-term role, if Xavier Howard stays healthy, can be as the nickel defender, but I don't think they want to put too much on his plate. That's a total guess on my part. I don't have the answer there. The Dolphins, they've alluded to, as an outside corner uh, for now. I think that can evolve, and if that does evolve, that can be good things for the Dolphins once he gets a little bit more comfortable with the fast-hitting action and, and being forced to step in and fill against the run, versus you can kind of see, you saw once he was pressed into more prominent action, his head was kind of spinning around a little bit, right? There was a lot going on in a very short amount of time. Uh, You could exacerbate that by putting him inside. Dolphins Nation has a hypothetical five-star left on Wednesday. Thank you for the review. It's great to hear from you. So let's say the Texans' first-round pick ends up being top five. If Coach Flo and Chris Greer feel good about Tua and the team at the end of the year, Do you think they should trade out of the top five pick with a quarterback-hungry team like the Chicago Bears who need a QB but are too good to have a top five pick? They could receive more draft capital in 2021 and or 2022 NFL draft or stand firm and take a blue chip player like Micah Parsons. At some point, that shift has to happen, right? At some point, and I don't want to bury too much time into draft talk with the Dolphins at five and three, But it's more the big-picture question of how close do the Dolphins think they are. If the Dolphins think that they are one or two players away, they will very easily justify taking the blue-chip player. But that wasn't your question. If it were me, if it were me, as tailor-made of a fit, as Micah Parsons is, and as happy as I would be with that pick, because I would be, Micah Parsons, inside linebacker from Penn State, sitting out this season, he's already undergoing, uh, undergoing his draft preparation process. He is a perfect fit for the Dolphins' defense at Mike Linebacker. But, can you get 90% of that player through a different avenue and get a greater return on investment for a top five pick than a linebacker. That's the question. And where my head would probably go right now is if a team like Chicago was desperate for a quarterback and they were willing to give up two ones, two twos and two threes hypothetically to come up and get them. So you, you move back 10, 12 spots, you pick up an extra two this year an extra 3 this year. You get a first round pick again next year and an extra first round or second round pick again next year. Like, yeah, I would rather do that because it's that's been the team ideology this throughout this first 18 months, but at some point the amount of bullets in the chamber becomes less important than filling out your roster in your competitive winning window with a quarterback on a rookie deal. If the Dolphins feel like they are two or three players away, then stand pat. If not, if you think, hey, we need another year to really get this thing where we want and have the ultimate flexibility to pivot however we need to, you trade out. Aaron, 41. Hey, Kyle, longtime listener, first-time writer. Love your podcast. Thank you. I love that you and everybody else who listens to this show and and makes this such a fun experience for me. Probably the luckiest Dolphins guy in the world. Shout-out to uh, Big E, by the way. Uh, Big E, I don't know if you listen to Locked On Dolphins or not, but it was revealed that Big E uh, was named the Dolphins Fan of the Year. Very well-deserved. Congratulations to you, Big E. Um, So Aaron's question. What do you think the ceiling is for this defense? They lead the league in a couple of categories, scoring and third-down defense, I believe. This came before the Arizona game, and a bunch of starters are new and really starting to gel. Where do you see this defense going? So I was asked before the season, I remember this. They said, okay, Kyle, what do you think the, the ceiling is for the Dolphins defense this year? And I I think I probably said top 12. They are, and they are a self-described Ben, don't break defense. I think that's an important distinguishment to make. The Dolphins players themselves have described themselves as a Ben, don't break defense. So don't expect this team to be first in yards allowed. Maybe not. This year, you know, maybe as they get more studs, they're a little bit more comfortable with that. But the Dolphins, with them scoring at the rate that they are, they seem to be comfortable to trade touchdowns for field goals and then confident that they're going to force you into one or two turnovers and mistakes, which they have not gone a game thus far this season. You just heard me knock on wood without forcing a turnover. Identity of the team is important. Mentality of the team is important. And I think the Dolphins are executing... Uh, their mentality at a very high level. And I I do think this team at the end of the year can remain as a top-five scoring defense. I think that's legitimate because, yes, you still have to play Kansas City. Yes, you still have to play Buffalo. Both those teams scored a butt-ton of points. Chargers, rookie quarterback, the book on him and where the Raiders had some success and where other teams have had some success, is getting him in pressure looks and confusing him pre-snap to post-snap. I think Miami can do that against Justin Herbert. Herbert's going to get his, and the Chargers will score some points. No, I think the Chargers are going to put 31 on us like Arizona did. No, I don't. Then you go to Denver. Denver is a little bit of a hot mess express right now. They managed to finesse the Chargers for a win by scoring like 15 points in the final... Three and a half minutes of the game two weeks ago. Then you got the Jets. I don't care that they scored twenty seven against the Patriots with Joe Flacco at quarterback. If you've ever need any affirmation that the Dolphins are the second best team in the AFC East right now, go watch Monday Night Football last night. Freaking Jets, man! Freaking Jets. You got the Bengals, another rookie quarterback. Not a very good offensive line. I think the Dolphins can heat him up a little bit. Joe Burrow will get his, but I don't think they'll drop 30 on the Dolphins. Then you've got Kansas City. Yeah, they'll probably put 34, 35, 31, 35 points up on on Miami. It's just kind of the way it is when you're facing a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or Kyler Murray. Then you get the Patriots not playing well. If the Dolphins would have played him any other week other than week one or two, they probably would have a win over the Patriots right now because the Patriots are not playing good football. And then you got Raiders and Bills. So I think this can be a top five scoring defense uh, at the end of the year based on the first half of the season and what the remaining sk- teams on the schedule look like. We here at the Locked On Network have been big-time proponents of the Built brand, and Built's newest product, Built Go, just ups the ante even more. It's a workout gel that's built to help you break through your mental or physical wall each and every day. It's easy to take. It comes in a one and a half ounce package. You put it in your back pocket, in your golf bag, in your briefcase, in your glove compartment, wherever. And it's always ready to go when you are. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite. Is chocolate mint, but there's also peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, and it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff to ignite your system, beta alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, and it's built to kick all day long with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Last iTunes review question comes from Freddy's Burner, and it's a good one. <laughs> Why is my favorite TV analyst Rex Ryan? The man seems to be the only one actually following what's happening in Miami. Yeah, it's it's been weird to, to sit down and listen to Rex Ryan talk and nod your head and be like, yeah, he knows what's going on. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Colin Cowherd completely changed his tune already. He's all of a sudden the, the Brian Flores to Tungbailoa pairing is the kind that wins Super Bowls, was what he said yesterday on a show. After what was it, ten days ago? Two is not gonna work. No, no wiggle. Okay. We're done. I'm done with Colin. Twitter questions. We got a bunch of them. get a whole bunch of them so I'm gonna do my absolute positive best to rip through as many of the 63 questions you guys left me Dave wants to know if there's any chance that Tua gets offensive rookie of the year I think if Tua can replicate the performance that he had every single week and the Dolphins win games right if if Tua finishes at seven and three As the starter. And the Dolphins are 10-6. and And they win the division. And Tua puts up 250 yards, two touchdowns. Has like almost no turnovers per game. And operates at a really high level with some magical moments along the way. Maybe. But the sample size is going to be really hard to beat. Because Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are on pace to throw for like 4,500 yards as rookies. And Herbert's on pace to throw for like 36 touchdowns. I just think the sample size is going to be a little too short. Uh, nameless jester. If Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavello were in each other's positions this season, Miami drafts Herbert and the Chargers draft Tua, and all the same scenarios that led to them starting happen, how do you believe it plays out for each of them and their teams? Um, that's a great question. I think you look at the style of play of both teams and it's it's pretty apparent based on the identity of the teams why each team went with each quarterback. Miami is a little more space the field. Los Angeles is more deep set drop back passing, push the ball vertically down the field. The Dolphins don't give you a ton of that. You saw Tua loosen up the Cardinals a little bit. Um I think I don't think either one and obviously Tua's sample size is very small. I don't think either one is as good of a fit in the other's offense, if that makes sense. Which coaching staff would I trust more to get it right? I'd trust the Dolphins coaching staff because the Chargers coaching staff is 3-15 a one score game since the start of 2019. Steven wants to know, who emerges from the backfield in the absence of Gaskin? Do you see Salvin Ahmed jumping up the depth chart? Yes, I do. Uh, because the Dolphins, you're, you're not going to find reinforcements or warm bodies anywhere else. Trade deadlines coming on. You got DeAndre Washington. I think he will help in a rotational role. I think you'll see a lot of committee. I was surprised we didn't see more of Patrick Laird. Uh, Pat did have the big catch uh, to kind of help, help set up the Jason Sanders field goal before halftime. But uh, I think you'll see the leading rusher from a, the running backs group is probably going to have 40, 45, 50 yards, uh, because he broke like a 15 yard run and, um, the Dolphins, just generally speaking, are not going to be running the ball at a very high clip. They, they're going to settle for the short passing game. It's high percentage passing, and that's kind of who they are. Uh, Gavin, I would acknowledge that you did ask a question about Igbo, but we touched on him earlier. Uh, Morgan Lewis, you monster, you're asking draft questions. Uh, Ohio State center Josh Myers seems to be the consensus center too. Do you think he's a fit for our offensive line? If yes, where do you think he goes in the draft? Yes, I do. I think he's a top 50 pick. Uh, Chris, assuming Fitzpatrick doesn't come back next year, what do you do about the backup quarterback spot? Do you draft a developmental late rounder, or go with a journeyman vet to continue to mentor Tua? That's a very complex question. Uh, I think there's a lot that goes into that decision. There's a lot of layers there that I think Miami would like to have somebody to continue to mold, but I do think they would covet the stability of not facing a quote-unquote sunk season if Tua did get hurt. So I would lean into having a veteran on the roster and then having carrying a a practice squad QB that they like quite a bit that's super toolsy. Maybe that's Reed Sinnott. I don't know. Uh, But that's kind of where I would lean at this point in time as it pertains to backup quarterback position. Lots of questions about the kind of back, running back, that the Dolphins should be coveting moving forward. You can go a couple different routes here. You can go with a more explosive guy. You can go with a bigger guy. But I think you can't have a big, slow guy and a small, not twitchy guy, which is what the Dolphins have at this point in time between their additions of Jordan Howard and the role of Miles Gaskin as the primary ball carrier. Uh, Matt Breida is the best blend, uh, but it seems like his vision and pass catching is not where the Dolphins want it to be to be able to have, quote-unquote, the full playbook on the roster. So, this offense, there's a very clear role and opportunity in it for a super high volume back that you could justify a top 40 pick on a running back, regardless of positional value. If you're going to say no to a running back in the top 40 picks, that's fine. But you should also say no to Micah Parsons in the top 10, because that's where he's going to get drafted. And you're talking about positional value, positional value of linebackers relative to running backs. That's why you don't see a lot of these guys get paid. So it's, it's kind of a complex, a lot of complex Nuanced questions, which I love that we're having some deeper questions being asked. You guys are starting to, to really dig deep and, and ask some hard questions, which I love. Uh, Jesse, previously you talked about the Dolphins earning respect from the mas- national media. Have they done that yet? Why or why not? Um, look, the Dolphins in the Brian Flores era have only been betting favorites in one game and it was against a winless New York Jets team. They don't have anybody's respect yet. Everybody under the sun picked the Cardinals to win. Now, granted, I didn't do a score prediction, which one of you guys yelled at me for not doing a score prediction on Friday. I don't remember which one of you it was. Uh, But I probably would have, with Miami winning three games in a row, having to go on the road to play a team coming off a bye with a high-end quarterback in Kyler Murray, and then you add in the covid barriers with the, the assistant coaching staff and not having Lim Bowden, i probably would have picked arizona and win that game but the dolphins are proving that they are changing their stripes and, and even to the point where they surprise somebody like me because i don't want to get on here and just pick the dolphins to win every single week how exhausting would that be now i want to be real i want to be as real and authentic as possible and i want to be as grounded as possible about this team they're going have they're going to lose a game they shouldn't or you'd expect them to lose a game that they shouldn't. Because if they won the games they're supposed to win from here on out, you're looking at 11-5, 10-6. Very rarely do teams follow the script that clean. Now, Miami might steal a game they shouldn't win. And they might lose a game that they shouldn't. In which case, they can still get to 10-6. and six. To answer your question... No, I don't think they've earned. You know, I think people are starting to recognize that there's something different about this team, but respect to the Dolphins, I don't know if they do just yet. Kyle Smith wants to know if we should be talking about Emmanuel Agba as a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. If he keeps stripping the football, keeps creating defensive touchdowns, and he finishes with 15-plus sacks this year, yes, we do, especially if this ends up being a top-five scoring defense. Derek, this is an interesting one. Kyle, love the show. I'm from Chicago. Tua gives me Derek Rose vibes. Who would be the best developmental quarterback in this year's draft? Okay, so if the Dolphins did choose to draft a developmental quarterback, your guy is Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Go watch this dude live arm. He's athletic. He's 6'4", 220. He can really move. The the entire field is available him as a passer. There's a lot of ups and downs with his game, some silly mistakes. Uh, He plays really aggressive, but he's a really fun quarterback to watch. Craig, with the injury to Preston Williams, how does the dynamic of the offense change? Is there more increased RPO usage or more touches for Grant? I definitely think more touches for Grant is on the table. Tua seems like he vibes with Jaquim a little bit, doesn't he? There's an anticipatory quality there with Tua that because Jakeem is so sudden, It feels like he's a little bit more comfortable throwing to Jakeem before the top of the route and putting the ball on the body so that you don't test Jakeem's very negligible catch radius, which I think is important to note. So, yes, I think Jakeem Grant is the primary beneficiary, but can he stay healthy? That's the million-dollar question. And if he can't, then, yeah, you'll probably see some more of these, you know, jet motion of Malcolm Perry that converts into a, a speed option with a pitch man type snaps to get creative. That is going to do it for us today on the show. We are out of time. I hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed this episode of power to the pod. I certainly thoroughly enjoyed talking with each and every one of you fins up go dolphins. We've got three more shows this week. We're building up to the showdown against the Los Angeles chargers Miami hosting, hopefully a little bit of revenge for a Chargers win against the Dolphins in 2019 that came in South Florida. But we'll talk about that tomorrow. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks as always for listening, and I hope to talk to you guys again soon.